What up, Fightful friends and family, and welcome to episode 6 of Fightful Wrestling Roundtable here on Fightful Pro Wrestling. I am Shaquille Mahdry from CBS Sports, your not-so-gracious host at times, but I try, at least on the surface. And... More importantly, the thing that gets me up for these is the all-star, rock star, superstar panel that we got first, fresh off the heels of her new documentary, Wrestling with Whiteness, that brought out the best viewers and the worst YouTube commenters <laughs> on the face of pro wrestling fandom. Jay Shell Nicole, how are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. It is a big week for me. I just released my documentary, like you said. I also graduate next weekend, so I'm pulling a very... Thea Hale, is that her name from NXT? Thea Hale, mm-hmm. I think she just graduated too. Pulling a very um, hailstorm-ish gig here. I I started experiencing my um, like early midlife crisis as <laughs> people started becoming successful and famous sooner than me. Like there used to be a time where like the stars were adults, and now the stars are children like Jay Shell, who are just killing it on a day to day basis. Sorry, Disney Channel. Sorry, yeah, there we go. Jake Falstall, you got this. Uh, and of course, we have the masked man himself. There's no way he's battling a sunburn under that mask because he never takes it off. All the way from Wrestle Talk, Tempest, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. There's no way there's a sunburn under this mask. I mean, what better uh, person to have on episode six? of this show than a man from the six and i'm glad that i'm back with this dude shack over here after i killed his ass in among us like two years ago <laughs> well i love how you remember the outcome of that because i sure as hell do not i do hey when you have as good a night in among us as i did that night you remember it i've never played that game you're better off you should... <laughs> 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 this... i had like a great collie level of rise and fall so yeah now, as most games, do, uh, as you may notice, we are without our fourth panelist or third panelist. I don't know what really role I play in all this. Uh, shout out to Alex McCarthy of Talk Sport. Unfortunately, he's not feeling great today. He is okay. I wish he would not frame his tweet in a way that made me think for a split split second that his daughter had died. That's not the case. <laughs> Everyone's just a little sick. Oh my God. They're doing okay. He will be here in the next couple ones. We'll make sure of it. But shout out to Alex. I hope he feels better. Okay. Let's get started. Enough of the jaw jacking. We got some pro wrestling to talk about in the aftermath of AEW Double or Nothing. CM Punk emerges as your new AEW World Heavyweight Champion. MJF almost doesn't make it to the event, possibly by his own volition. There's a lot to depack. I want to start, if that's okay with y'all, with sort of the best and worst moments. For you overall, what was your impression of this event? And what was like the single favorite moment you've had from AEW Double or Nothing? And what was maybe, what sort of fell short of your expectations? Jay Shell, we'll start with you. Yeah, so my high point of the whole show was Athena. Um, I'm a big Athena fan. I was I was waiting for Athena since um, her release and since she had the Warrior Wrestling match with Thunder Rosa and Rosa started to drop hits about wanting to face Athena. I was super excited for that. I was not expecting it at this show at all, um, but I was very happy to see um, the way that she debuted and the pop and the reaction that she got. I thought it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Stokely came out too, and that was great. Um, apparently got put together the day of, which was 
insane but i was really excited to see him as well i can't wait to see what he does with the baddie section jade and the baddie section in general are one of my favorite acts in wrestling um so i loved that what kind of fell short for me was the tag team title match i was really really hoping for ricky starks and powerhouse Hobbs to take the belts off of jurassic express here um even swerve and keith i just thought that it was time for a changing of the guard especially when you have um, two teams with huge amounts of personality and charisma and can speak on the mic and kind of Jurassic Express struggles with that a little bit, but they have the in-ring chops. I thought the match was very well put together. I was just more so unhappy with the result, I think. So let me ask you then, or Tempest, whoever sort of wants to jump at this first, what is the root of the disappointment with the outcome of that tag team match? Is it, you know, the run that Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus have had thus far? Is it just a matter of giving Ricky and Powerhouse Hobbs something more meaty to kind of bite into? Honestly, I think it's a mix of both. I feel like I've been waiting for Ricky to get this big opportunity for a long time. Hobbs, too. I think the Punk match was his biggest opportunity so far, really. Um, the FTW title, they don't really do much with. I wish they would do more with it. Um, so I would have wanted more for them, first of all. But also, um, I think more recently, as the stature of the tag division rises, I think that Jurassic Express is kind of struggling to keep up a bit. Like I said before, in terms of like charisma and things like that, um, Jungle Boy is obviously getting better in his promos, but they are at a handicap because only one of them speaks. So moving from there, I, I'm kind of unsure of how you pivot. I think maybe FTR or Proud and Powerful would be next. Tempest. Uh, in response to that specifically, I don't have as much of a problem with the Jurassic Express reign as I've seen uh, some other people mm-hmm. had. I think they've done a good job as champions, but the problem with their reign in that regard is more that they've kind of been the third wheel in other people's stories, and the focus hasn't been put on them as champions. The last two pay-per-view cycles have both been them being the third wheel in someone else's tag feud and the tag titles just being on the line. Now, I don't necessarily think that's a bad way to book the tag titles when you've got such a stacked tag division, but at the same time, when people want to see big things and focus being put on the tag titles themselves and would rather see them on a team like FTR or Proud and Powerful, who to me would be the next two teams that I would have hold the titles, I don't have as much of a problem with Jurassic Express retaining over the guys in this match because I think one of those two teams is next. But at the same time, if you had had them change the titles onto either of these two teams, I wouldn't have been disappointed either. Yeah, for me, I think especially, and this is often the case, um, but especially, Hangman Adam Page is another great example, but I feel like Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, the dynamic they have, especially Jungle Boy's age, the desire is in the chase more than the defense. They're such a young team. Jungle Boy makes such a good plucky underdog, and... It's so early into this whole AEW assignment, I feel like, for a young guy like Jungle Boy to be strapped with the title. I don't think it's a bad decision, but like you say, Tempest, I feel like there are some other AEW originals like Proud and Powerful that we could have maybe put into the slot instead and sort of saved the Jungle Boy payoff for later down the line. Uh, Tempest, right. let's start with your... Uh, oh, sorry, please, if you want to respond, go ahead. Well- the, the, only, the only other thing I kind of wanted to add to that was you look at the overall stories that are being told with like each of these different sections of the AEW roster. And don't get me wrong, I'm very much looking forward to this match. I think that the match will, itself will be fantastic. But if you look at the stories, 
Christian Cage's inevitable heel turn and fit and match with Jungle Boy is pretty low on the list in terms of things that people are looking forward to. I think people would be much more looking forward to a long run with FTR or a run with Proud and Powerful and their tag team history with the Lucha Brothers and different stories that you could tell with all these different people. And for that matter, the stories that were being told with Red Dragon and the Lute and the Young Bucks and then Team Taz and Keith Lee and Powerhouse and uh, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, keep all that straight in my mind. Those stories are a bit more interesting to me than Christian and Jungle Boy, right? So with that being the story that's driving the Jurassic Express train, I just, I could have just said the Jurassic Express. I'm taking that. <laughs> I'm calling it quits. That's my point. It's a sunburn talking. <laughs> I, man, I think as sort of the initial passionate enthusiasm for the, you know, when a and to be fair, critics were pointing this out. When AEW launched and um, they were sustainable from the get go, you can't help but be excited. New space, competition. But as we're sort of starting to move out of this honeymoon phase, and let me say, I'm still a huge fan of AEW as a program. I, I love how concise it is. I like how much they pack in. It's it's very digestible for me. I think we're starting to see some of the difficulties of the way they book their shows, primarily this system of sort of putting people on ice for months at a time and sort of rotating talent in and out, I think keeps the, the content fresh, but I feel like it creates a lot of loose threads. We just, some I saw someone in the chat mention the Julia Hart mat, uh, reveal was a big payoff for them. Doesn't it feel like we sort of forgot about that for a while and just came back to it? Like, I'm so glad that it happened, but this should have been at the forefront or a component of this feud for weeks, not just something that we sort of forget about and then come back into so we can wrap it up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it wouldn't have been as egregious if this match had taken place at revolution, like it was supposed to. And Ray Phoenix hadn't been hurt. Like if this had just been like a six week program Mm -hmm. that Julia Hart can, can, it wouldn't be as egregious as it was, but the way that it was being told, like, yeah, I would, I would like, Many more than just one segment building this up in like the last three or four months. Uh, what is your stand? Actually, wait, I'm sorry, Jay Shell, you were talking about Athena, so let's not uh ignore that. I'll, I'll make sure next time to be a little bit more precise with these. Um, I have an interesting question about Athena. So, I had sort of gotten into a brief Twitter conversation with someone over the theory of Sasha Banks, if ever able, coming over to AEW, and sort of the critic was suggesting that, well. Why would Sasha Banks come to a promotion that only features, on average, like one women's segment a program? And this is a very real and very repeated criticism that people have had of AEW. Do you think, as AEW starts to bolster their women's divisions with more name value, that it'll sort of encourage AEW or better position AEW to have more than one women's segment per program because when i look at athena it's not to say there's not a lot of talent on the roster i just feel like if you're making these signings you have to feature them more and you're also in a position now where your programming doesn't just have to be a platform for developing new talent it can also be a home for established talent is athena part of a wave that may help push women's seat programming on AEW more Yeah, that's always been the line of thought for me, especially when I look at the recent Tony Storm signing as well. Um, It always kind of seemed to me, or 
at least the people online as well, that once they sign more experienced women, even Ruby Soho, people who have more of a name behind it, Tony will feel more comfortable pushing them and putting them on TV more, which I feel like we've kind of started to see with Tony Storm. They did start to develop like the Jamie Hayter storyline and they integrated it with Ruby and all of that. And I thought that that stuff was really amazing. But what I do kind of struggle with is also another one of my low points for the night is when we continue to put Britt Baker at the front of all these storylines. Um, I would have used the Owen as an opportunity to, I guess, bolster their division. I mean, Ruby suffered a lot of losses recently, a lot of big losses as well. She didn't win the, the world title. She didn't win in the TVS tournament. And now she came close in the Owen, but didn't win. Um, and I feel like at some point you have to do some rehab with that. And I think that the division can only go so far with Britt at the front of it. Um, especially when you are bringing on all these new talent and they're suffering in terms of TV time and storylines because of Brit. And there's one person at the front of the division. Um, so once we begin to move past that, and I also, I think the the help of bulking up the division with more experienced women uh, on the roster will help as well. But I think it's a combination of those two that will help move forward. I can't help on the Brit Baker thing. I can't help but wonder, and this was sort of something I was gauging as my colleague Brent Brookhouse and I were going through our predictions for double or nothing as like, if you, if we were all very aware that Adam Cole was a shoe in to win the men's cup very early on in the tournament process, was AEW going to go without an AEW original winning the inaugural cup? And I feel like that may have played a substantial role into their decision making because, man, I can't help but wonder if you take a hit with your morale, if you have something that these wrestlers are so passionate about and neither of the inaugural winners are AEW originals. Should it have been Tony Storm? I could see it. Should it have been I Ruby think that Soul? There were I could see it. Also, other options outside mm-hmm. of just putting Britt there, though. I think it would have been huge for Jamie Hayter. Even if you don't really consider her original, it would have been huge for her story-wise. Chris Statlander, oh my God. If I could have chose a person, I would have chose Chris Statlander to win. I think that um, the reaction that Ruby got is a scathing indictment of how much people want Statlander to be at the front of the division. And I thought that that could have been a huge moment for her. I actually created my own, like, tournament um graphic i guess where i kind of turned the whole tournament into a uh, tournament to boost up the young lions of the division so like julia hart was in it uh i even added like mia yim as the joker like there's a bunch of different people that i felt like could have benefited from this instead of once again just giving brit another feather in her cap i mean i i like the dynamic of having like the his and hers thing um but i still think that if they want to go with another original that there would have been somebody other than brit um i would have let brit cool off a little bit more even after the world title win i mean loss sorry guys we do have a uh we will have a q and a component if the desire is there so if you have super chats please leave them off of the latter half of the show i'll fill you in um tempest best moment mm-hmm. AEW double or nothing uh my best moment was the debut of one stokely hathaway i am so excited to see my boy in aew and I'm not going to lie. The fact that when he got released from NXT and SP3 and I immediately hopped on a podcast on WrestleTalk podcast and said, what would we like to see Stokely Hathaway do? We'd quite like to see him manage Jade Cargill. And to have exactly that come to fruition is like, oh, it's a dream come true. I can only imagine that he is going to do so many good things for people in AEW just by being there. And I will also say very quickly, uh, regarding your uh, sort of fantasy booked brackets, Jay Shell, that was pretty much exactly how I would have booked the tournament. 
I hadn't planned them all out bracket wise, but I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I would have done. <laughs> like, I thought that would have been just such an opportunity to promote younger talent and give people more of an opportunity to have those kind of matches, which I will get to in my uh, my worst moments of the night, perhaps. Oh, but Stokely Hathaway gets the big thumbs up. Man, Love him. It is a testament to Stokely because I thought that match... Um, I thought it was fine. I think you always sort of have to grade on a curb when you're... I know people don't want to afford mm-hmm. that opportunity, especially to Jade Cargill, but... You know, these are young wrestlers. It takes a lot of reps. I think they're doing just fine considering the platform that they're on. I did find all the different run-ins to be not only overwhelming, but really disjointed. Like, Anna Jay was looking over for what felt like an eternity before Stokely came out there. I just feel like it. that was actually, like, that whole, not the match and ring, but how it all kind of came together was a down, a big down for me. I just think it's such a testament to to stokely that people are just completely throwing that under the rug out of just pure enthusiasm for what he's going to bring to aew i completely agree i think he could very easily by the end of the year be like the front runner for best non-wrestler like everyone's publication awards just he could go out and cut amazing promos every week he really could what is your down for aew double or nothing my down for double or nothing, very surprisingly, I was not anticipating this at all, was just sort of the handling of the finals of the Owen. And I I don't know. I don't know if I was, I don't know if I over-evaluated how AEW pay-per-views were going to be following the success of All Out and Full Gear. And don't get me wrong, Revolution was very good as well. But I thought when I saw Full Gear, that was going to be sort of the direction of AEW pay-per-views where you're just going to get like eight four-star matches that are all going to get like 15 to 20 minutes and are all going to be fantastic. And every pay-per-view is just going to be amazing because you have an amazing roster. And I looked at the card for this show and I thought we have a pretty good chance of getting that again. Maybe some matches won't be that good, but maybe they will. And I saw things like Samoa Joe and Adam Cole just kind of like end when they were Mm. just getting into their third gear. And I said, like, I was expecting that to be kind of like a four and a half star match, like show stealer, really fun blow off match to their, their NXT history from a year ago that never got to have a match. And it was just like, it was cool. It was good. It was fine it just wasn't it wasn't as spectacular as i want it to be Mm -hmm. and maybe that is like you know really entitled to say but i also think aew has kind of set the standard from themselves that these pay-per-views will be absolute top level best show of the year candidates and i don't think this one was and i think that middle hour where it was like the two of these matches and then the 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 six the mixed gender uh, the intergender trios. six trios match, those three matches happening like one after another after another. I was like, man, this is not the string of four star classics that other pay per views have been. I and so I can't help but wonder if a component of this is also like I said earlier, just sort of the luster dying a little bit, like. Like you said, we have expectations now. The promotion's been going for a while. Because um, I, I do remember... And also, I I feel like I'm comparing everything now to Brian Danielson showing up and Adam Cole <laughs> showing up. And the yeah. reality is it can't be that every time, right? Yeah. Um, we'll go to my ups before we move on to the other stuff. Okay. 
this is I'm so guilty of just being an absolute fanboy. Pac is my favorite wrestler on the planet. He is so damn good. He's got the intensity, he's got the aura, he's so slick in the ring. And I think, you know, it might be a little like limited to his character, but I think he's really good on the mic in his role. And no matter how long of a break he gets, no matter if he's injured or if there's visa issues, when he throws down, he looks like he has not missed a step. That six-man tag team match suffered from so much. Like you said, it got extended way longer than it should have because of injuries. We had, uh, you know, disjointed storylines popping in and popping out. And I think the worst offender is, as a guy who really loves the House of Black, the matches they have been, particularly with, like, uh, Dark Order and Company and Fuego, way too competitive. These yeah. guys are amazing in-ring wrestlers. They're supposed to be positioned as being these terrifying threats. And then they are getting dragged out in these long matches with, like, lower mid-card talent, which is fine on a competitive level. You know, Dark Order, great. Fuego, great. But that's not really the story you're trying to tell about who these characters are. Despite all that, they go out there and they put on a match that could do no wrong. Even even when they miss little spots like uh, Buddy Matthews grabbing the, uh, you know, missing the suplex grab from Ray Phoenix, which is a hard, hard move to catch. Even um, when you had Brody King sort of hit the apron on that flip, there was just so much quality to the match that nothing could t- taper the mood. Everything was exciting. The fans ate it all up. I think the right people won. I hope we can move on to something else. I think Malachi should be in a solo feud with someone significant and have his people behind him. Sorry, who? I think he gets Hangman. I love it. I love it. That's fun. Um, That would make such a great match. Because of the Dark Order stuff, too. Yeah. Um, And then... I I like that idea a lot. (laughs) Deshaun, this is so full of good ideas. I like that a lot. It's it's sounding better Like the more and more I think of it. The match would be amazing. Like you said, there's a lot of interplay that you can do to keep things fresh. Yep. And I know that Tony Khan wants to wait for Kenny Omega to come back, but I really think you got to give Death Triangle the inaugural trios title. Just give yeah. them something. They, I, they're so good, but they haven't been trusted with anything. And I think it's time to give them something to hang their hat on because at some point, and I'm starting to feel it, you begin to sort of lose confidence in how high not how high their ceiling is as talent but how high their ceiling is in aew and i feel mm-hmm. like they could take it really far so i hope we get something good so that's my big up um also the anarchy in the arena match yeah wow yeah, man I, I didn't know what to expect i will say while things went on a little too long uh john moxie's theme song went on way too long way too long but <laughs> chris jericho cutting it was fantastic heel work it popped uh, me. I loved it. Yeah, that was amazing. It was worth the payoff. Um, kudos to everyone for figuring things out. My down. I didn't love all the outcomes. And, and maybe, you know, mm-hmm. you got to throw in some surprises in there. But there's two that really stand out in my mind. One, I don't think the Hardy Boys should have gone over the Young Bucks. I forgot about that match. There we go. I mean, you know... Again, grading on a curb, I think we all accept that at this point, you know, the Hardys, they've they've got some wear and tear. They've been doing this for a long time. I got no problems with that. 
if this isn't some sort of like retirement match where you really want to <laughs> wait let me keep that there let me go back on the group shot i'm sorry tempest i'm sorry oh hang on hang on hang on let me let me oh. really do it there we go oh wow Look, they're is. together as they should be that cool. think you feel so uncomfortable. You're trying to prep the young bucks here, right, for some big feud between you know the between the undisputed elite and stuff. The young bucks have been kind of hot and cold in AEW, and the Hardys are a nostalgia act that's always going to pop people. They don't need to win matches, and if there's not some sort of bigger picture here, I just don't understand why you wouldn't give the young bucks that feather in their cap right now how did you guys feel about the match i agree honestly during the whole match i i felt uncomfortable I, like i don't know what it was but like seeing jeff move just made me feel like maybe i shouldn't be watching this like the young bucks were obviously doing as much as they could to like make sure the match was carrying on and stuff like that but like jeff was taking a bit too long to get in spots like at times he looked like he didn't know what he was doing you could hear matt talking to him and like telling him where to go and it was kind of concerning um but in general, I, I thought that the Young Bucks were going to win this one. And like throughout the whole match, I was like, oh, the Young Bucks have to win it. They have to win it. And I don't really understand what the booking decision is, why the Hardys kind of have to win this. What do they gain out of it? Like we're heading into the Young Bucks like home territory this next week. So I thought it would have been like, OK, we're going to give them a win. They'll head into their hometown. They'll get some good momentum. And then from there, maybe they can do something with um who was I going to say? I mean, I guess you could do death triangle to be honest, if you really wanted to, um, you could try to figure something out with that, but I don't, I don't know where they really go from here. Even like once they lost, lost to FTR, which kind of felt like a short lived feud as well, mm-hmm. too. I thought it was going to be longer. I just don't know what they're doing next. They seem lost to me. Tempest. Yeah. I thought I had a lot more faith in the AEW tag division booking and future and everything like a month and a half ago when FTR seemed to be really heating up, you know, they were, they were looking like they were going to be maybe the challengers for the tag titles at this pay-per-view. And they ended up not even being on the show, which just totally blew my mind. Cause I thought a really fun, like summer program would have been FTR win the tag team titles. And then they have like a summer little mini rivalry with the Hardys. Because as much as I, I am a huge Hardy Boys fan, as I have been and always will be. Can you do the dance? So I probably, yeah, I probably, I probably, <laughs> I probably was a bigger fan of this match than, than most people, than most people were. But I really enjoyed it. I think that the Young Bucks don't necessarily need to be in line for a tag title shot anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And the Hardys haven't had one yet. So if you have to book one of them to move up the, the rankings, and it seems like that's the story they're telling with the, with the Hardys, I can understand them getting the win here. Because if they just lose, then it's kind of like, well, their run is kind of dead then. I don't think that the Hardys should have like a super long nostalgia run with the AEW tag titles by any means. But I could see them having like a short reign where they pop and get a tag team title out of a really big match and then have a short reign and lose sure. it to a heel team. I think you could do something with that. And if this match was to set up something like that, I don't think it's that big of a, an issue. But that being said, I don't have as much, of, I don't give them the, as much of the benefit of the doubt as I did just very recently. So we'll see. My answer to that kind of depends on what happens next. You, you unlocked some sort of like deeply <laughs> buried trauma of 12 year old Shaq being told, hey, don't do the Jeff Hardy dance because your armpits stink. 
<laughs> All right, guys. Uh, let's let's move on to topic number two here. Um, there was a time where you could not imagine the words WWE and the McMahon family not being synonymous with one another. I mean, Stephanie and Shane were working in various aspects of the company since they were, what, 10, 12, 13 years old. Vince okay. McMahon Jr. obviously inherits the company from Vince McMahon Sr. and turns it into this global powerhouse. Well, now... We are in this weird flux uh, where it feels like day by day, WWE President Nick Khan is getting more and more control of the company. Stephanie McMahon is the most recent member of the family to say, hey, I'm taking a step back from a lot of my responsibilities. It's very evident from sort of the recycling of Triple H's NXT that he no longer has the creative leverage he once had. And Shane McMahon hasn't been executive for like 10 years, but homie got at least briefly released over the Royal Rumble shenanigans. Vince McMahon has said as much on the Pat McAfee show. He kind of alluded to sort of being disappointed with his family's ability to step up. Are we seeing the end of the McMahon family as the glue of WWE? And considering how intrinsically tied it is into the fabric of WWE, how do you just feel about that in general? Jayshel? Yeah. I'm I'm probably going to say what everybody else is thinking. What I think they're gearing up for a sale. I think that's what it has to be. I feel like they're beginning to isolate themselves from kind of their history and their roots in business, which is like the McMahon family. Um, I thought that Stephanie would be the one that I least expected because I felt like she was the most um, like thoroughbred WWE executive. She was there for so long and, and her role was always so public and everything like that. Um, Triple H, I feel like, unfortunately due to his health issues they kind of took advantage of the situation and then they were just like okay well now is our opportunity to do what we want um and i honestly think the reason that nick Khan is beginning to gain power is because he's making all of these business decisions that vince is is liking and it seems like he's beginning to grow the trust of vince and then from there vince is just kind of I guess becoming unpleased that his family wasn't doing that before they weren't doing all these things to appease him and, and all of that. So now they're moving forward kind of without them. Um, And I don't know where they really go from here. Like, honestly, I only really remember seeing triple H in power in NXT. So like when I first started watching, he was like always on NXT, he was hugging his guys and doing the pointing and the thumbs up and all that stuff. So to see NXT without it now, it still feels kind of weird and to not see Stephanie, like, even in like um, on-screen authority positions. Like I always was just so used to that. And now we, we're not really going to have any of that anymore. It feels like a changing of the guard. Sorry, someone who only knows of Stephanie McMahon as an on-screen authority figure sounds like someone who grew up during the Depression and just doesn't know. She's anything. graduating high school yeah. soon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's really, really surreal I think there's a lot that we we still don't know about the situation. I think obviously, first and foremost, like Triple H's health has kind of been the the most important thing of all. Like you know, wrestling doesn't matter when when health comes health comes first and and everything. But at the same time, I've seen a lot of people trying to say that more than one thing can't exactly be true. That Triple H taking time away for his health and also losing power. Like those things both can be true. It's, it was yeah. very clear in the last few months of his run in NXT before he stepped away that things weren't exactly as they had been before. There was definitely a shift 
that was coming. Nick Khan was obviously getting more power, etc. And I do think it's just wild to see all of this sort of unfold and to think that there may come a time when the WWE won't be a McMahon family business. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always thought that there could have been a different way to do it. Maybe it wouldn't be Shane. Maybe it would go to Stephanie and Triple H. But I always thought that it would end up still in the McMahon family. And I don't know that this will ever come, that there will ever come a time where there will be no McMahon involvement. I'm sure they'll be on the board or still investors or whatnot in some, some form. The same way that like George Lucas is still involved, quote unquote, with Star Wars, even though they lied to him about that. So it's a bad example. But like as an advisor type role at the very least. To think that that might not even be the case have Stephen McMahon maybe not be part of the future of WWE if it goes that far maybe it's just a leave of absence and she comes back and everything goes back to the way it was hey Vince McMahon has had a lot of like his guys there's been a lot of right-hand men to WWE to Vince McMahon in general that have come and gone maybe Nick Khan will be the person to take the company into the future sell them to a new company something maybe not Maybe we've still got another 10 years of Vince McMahon to look forward to. And I use look forward to very loosely. So my, my opinion of this is still very much like up in the air. I feel like I still need to know more mm-hmm. facts to really get a better, like step back and appreciate the picture that I'm seeing, but it's just such a wild time with so many things flying. And if this had happened 10 years ago, might not be as interesting, but with Vince continually getting older, yeah. it becomes that much yeah. more like, the theory that he's going to sell or that a big change is coming becomes more and more likely as he gets older. So I don't know. It just gets that much more interesting. Certainly. I mean, covering as much UFC as I do felt right there. Um, UFC, you know, at the height of Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey, I think they sold like 4.2 billion or something. So what does it mean for the future of pro wrestling's predominant force to be owned in majority by a group of people who don't necessarily have a pro wrestling background. I feel like that might cause some stress and anxiety for fans. At the same time, I can tell you the UFC continues to be super, super profitable. Dana White continues to be the president of that company. And so maybe this is an opportunity should they sell. I don't know if they are. I know that's very divisive, hotly debated topic. Should they? You know, maybe it means a whole new source of income to and expertise in the business world to sort of take this to a new level. I don't even know what that would look like. But I think for a product that has such, as the Star Wars reference is perfect, I feel like might be in smaller scope, but just such a dedicated audience that, you know, the ones who are into it are just so passionate about it. It's a weird time. I feel like this all feels like something we've put our time and our soul into, and and we don't really know where it's headed. So it's a weird time to be alive in the world of pro wrestling. Yeah. I mean, you you look at them, it's like, well, should they sell? I mean, sure. You want them to make more money? Like, yeah, I'm sure Vince McMahon would uh, would like those billions of dollars. You know, I'm sure he would still like to, to be hands-on and everything. So it depends on what the question of should, like should sell, mean you know would it be good for them business wise yeah probably they'd make a lot of money you know with their kind of streaming rights and the tv deals that they can get like if they sold to a big company yeah it would be a huge business deal would that make the the promotion any better i have not a goddamn clue because i mean 
hey, at one point, WCW was the biggest wrestling company on the earth's history, and they went out of business because they were owned by like a television company. You know, so the same, I'm not saying the same thing will happen because obviously cases are very different, but I'm saying anything can happen. Jayshal, sorry to interrupt, and I only do this because it's a very rare opportunity where I'm on the other side, but uh, WCW was a pro wrestling company that actually competed Mm. with the WWF at the time. (laughs) And uh, yeah, whole Monday Night Wars thing. You should check it out sometime. I'm so sorry. No, 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 it's fine. I, I never get to be on this side of things. No, I love it. I love it. Uh, but honestly, I kind of want to see what a sale looks like, specifically to Disney. I don't know why, but I'm so intrigued to see what WWE look like would look like owned by Disney, specifically how Bianca Belair as a Disney character would look. I don't know why, but it's just like daydreams of Bianca with the braid on Disney Channel. I don't it's know. Pop. Oh, oh yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Fresh. Fresh from the mail. <laughs> yes. The mania gear That's too. tremendous. I will I'll also say very quickly, because my my biggest thing when I'm watching WWE in particular is I watch for the sake of chaos. Like I'm always rooting for like the most chaotic option. So when Goldberg faces <laughs> Roman Reigns for the title, I'm like, let Goldberg win. I just want to see the reaction. I want to see what happens. You are and a bad with person. WWE. I was really happy when the fiend lost. I was like, "Woo, this is a good one." Look at this reaction right now. I'm the only person happy. So if the if the WWE is sold, that's a pretty chaotic thing. And I would just like like to see what comes of that. I don't know. It's progress. It's change. It yeah. might not be like change for you know. It might not be positive change. But when things have been the same for so long, I wouldn't mind seeing something different. Amazing. Okay, guys, uh, if you have, I already see some super chats flooding in. If you have questions, comments, concerns, oh, man, not concerns, leave a super chat. We'll get to them after we wrap up on some MJF talk. Before we do that, let me put the one shot on me very, very quickly here. Hi. Hi, guys. Welcome. Uh, You can't see me from the waist down, so you have no idea if I'm wearing pants right now. You don't even know if I'm wearing underwear. Is that grounds for some sort of sexual harassment claim probably but bear with me guys that means you have no clue how strong my manscape game is well why would i steal the spotlight when we got sean ross sap here to do it for you take it away sean make sure that your package is a platinum one with manscape.com and the code fightful the Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0 is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all, the biggest bundle they've ever offered. They've got the Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Ultra Premium Body Wash, the Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo Plus Conditioner, Ultra Premium Deodorant, Crop Preserver, Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver, Anti-Chafing Boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag to hold all of it, my friends. Upgrade your shower routine in addition to your grooming. And you can get 20% off and free shipping when you use the code FIGHTFUL at manscaped.com. The absolute best bang for your buck. A great gift idea as well. If you don't know what to get somebody, why not get them everything with manscaped.com and the code FIGHTFUL. Thank you, Sean. I could not hear a word of what you said, but I know the correct. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good. All right. With that, before they pull the plug on me forever, let's get to our final topic, pre-Q&A. Wow, what a weird week for MJF, for Wardlow, for Tony Khan. Um, for those of you who have been living under a rock, MJF no-showed a fan meet and greet. SRS, our own SRS, reported that he had someone, someone had booked a flight under his name out of Las Vegas to, New, uh, to Long Island or Newark, somewhere along those lines. MJF does not end up boarding that flight. He is... Make sure uh-oh. that you're packed. He uh, does arrive to AEW, double or nothing. He loses toward Low in a very one-sided match. And according to reports, he got there right before the match. He left right after the match. And supposedly, him and Tony Khan are set to meet tomorrow. Um, I'm of the... If there's an element of this that is a work that is planned... I would present that the most likely conclusion is that, like all great works, there's a component of real friction inside of it. Uh, I don't want to do too much speculating until we have more details, but I do want to know. Obviously, for me, I want whatever MJF thinks is best for him. But as a fan, how would you like to see this all resolve? What do you want out of the next, let's say, 12 months of MJF? Even if you could get out of his contract right now and sign a WWE. In your dream book and world, what happens with MJF? Tempest? I mean, in my dream booking world, M- oh, I've, got, I've got a chaotic version of this. <laughs> and I've got like a, a, real, a realistic version of this. Because okay. my realistic dream version of this is just he stays with AEW forever and is their world champion within like the next year. And continues his push and continues to be like a generational heel in the company that's probably going to push him, if not the hardest, definitely the best. And I don't necessarily think that other places will write as good for him as AEW has. That being said, I could be totally wrong. And maybe WWE will give him a huge opportunity and show that, hey, there's a place for you here, other people from AEW. Come, look what we've done with Cody, which has apparently been the word out of the AEW locker room. They're not looking to go there. But the, the thought process behind going to WWE has changed. So my chaotic option of this is that he goes to WWE, become be, like reigns as WWE champion, mains, main events WrestleMania, and then goes back to AEW. <laughs> like three years after that. Because he's still so young, right? He's like 26, I think. A 26-year-old guy has plenty of time to like, run out this contract, sign a three-year deal or a four- or five-year deal with WWE, and then go back to AEW at the time he's 33 or 34, he's still in his prime at that point. So honestly, in terms of just what I want out of MJF, I just want the dude to be happy. Agreed. You know, I think that there's a lot of people, because Twitter is Twitter, that will just look at this and, and be like, 
It's like, oh, well, a spoiled brat, you know, because they'll read something that they re read out of one report and assume they know everything about this guy's situation. Whether we know all the details about his unhappiness in AEW or not, or what he was unhappy about, or his relationship with Tony Khan, like, at the end of the day, I'm looking at this guy as, like, yeah, he's a grown man, but, like, he's 25, 26, mm -hmm. and, like, I didn't have all this figured out at 25, 26. He's dealing with, like, huge problems you know and maybe not even problems but like real huge things like unbelievable amounts of money and while that may not seem stressful you know it, it would be like huge amounts of money a really big career and just a lot of things going and in a lot and of expectations yeah a lot of expectations and he's been open about just like being bullied and i don't want to you know assume any you know any experiences that he's had but like, I, I'm going into this experience, like he's a young guy in a very toxic business most of the time that I just want to see happy and successful, you know, and I'm going to give him some leeway when it comes to that, as I do most young people, you know, who might not be uh, acting like the most maturely in very high stress situations. Okay, I make good decisions, I think. <laughs> hey, hey, you make fantastic decisions. <laughs> let me tell you, you're ahead of the curve here. Uh, well, future MJF right here in front of us. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe The Rock. Uh, I don't know. Uh, in terms don't want of to set those expectations too high. Well, I feel like I'm more of a Sasha Banks, but I was going to yes. get there. Um, I'm trying to think. Who's the youngest? Who, what, do we know who the youngest women's world champ is? Because Brock Lesnar at 25 is on the men's side, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds like a lot of math. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, I guess your point. Page, get to your page, point. Page. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yes. Divas division. That's my sweet spot. Uh, but <laughs> in terms of MJF and Sasha and Naomi, I always will side on the Agreed. side of the wrestlers. Um, they they are well, especially since they're not unionized. They are individuals up against billionaire corporations and billionaires in general. Um, so obviously, they're not going to have as much leverage or leeway, and there's always going to be open to more judgment. Um, especially with a hardcore fan base like AEW's is, there's always going to be more judgment. And like you said before, more expectations. Um, if I could paint my perfect picture, honestly, I, I think what's in his best interest is he waits until Roman Reigns is gone. And then he goes to WWE because there'll be a huge gap for a heel champion in WWE that he can go in and fill right away. Uh, so if he does have the time to wait for that, then that would be the ideal decision, I think. Um, but if not, I feel like he has lots of time left in AEW. And even if their relationship is not the best, obviously he's still willing to do business. Um, he might not have shown up to the meet and greet, but it's, it would have been a different story if he got on the plane and did not show up at double or nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously if I could compare this to like real life, I feel like all of us have jobs where we don't want to go in the next day. Like we're thinking about calling out, but we don't do it. And it might be on a bigger stage. It might be a pay-per-view or whatever. But like at the end of the day, these people are humans and they have real human issues with their jobs and workplaces, mm -hmm. regardless of how much money they're making. Um, so sometimes I don't want to go to work and I want to call out, but I still go in and I do my job anyway. So, so when I was pointing, I was not suggesting fightful is a bad work environment. <laughs> Just today in particular has been a bad day. Uh, this, this being the highlight far, by far and beyond. Um, okay. Let me present an alternative to you. I think MJF could be a world champion right now. 
perhaps AEW is sort of hesitant still to strap someone so young to the belt when they have older, more established names on the roster that they should probably strap now if they want to ever. Let me tie this into another problem I've had. Um, I think it started as a consequence of Cody leaving and was made infinitely worse by the Sammy Guevara, Scorpio Sky, Ty Conti, Paige Van Zandt feud. The TNT title has nosedived. That belt was so strong at inception. Cody Rhodes, Darby Allen, Brody Lee. I think Miro was my favorite TNT champion. Same. And we have gone off a cliff. If that title was what Tony Khan... I remember on a media call a couple months ago, someone referred to it as a secondary title, and Tony Khan got quite defensive. If you want the TNT title to be as regarded as your world championship... Give it to a guy like MJF. Give it to a guy like Wardlow. I love Scorpio Sky. I think him and Ethan Page are better suited in the tag division because Ethan's a great talent and he's not getting his half of the shine right now either. They're Scor- probably going to break up, though. Yeah, wh- whatever the case is, this title was given to Scorpio Sky perhaps as a way to elevate him, but it was given to him significantly diminished. And as a consequence, we're seeing diminishing returns of Scorpio Sky beat a Miro or a Brody Lee, someone of that caliber, to win the title, okay, now he's earned it. But because of how this whole thing is played out between Cody and Sammy and and him, we're at like an all-time low with this title. I think if not Wardlow, which I have a hunch that's the direction they're going, but if not Wardlow, MJF gives it instant credibility. And it's something for him to hang his hat to. Like, why are we sort of ignoring this very natural path that could keep wrestlers happy as they're sort of outside of this title picture. Unless you're going to commit to a second world title, like we need to put some more shine on this TNT belt. I think there's a lot of interesting things with that in particular, because MJF has always been someone where it's like, I will wrestle when it matters. Not really like a TV champion. I'm going to do an open challenge Mm -hmm. type deal. Right. So if you wanted to, to change his character a little bit, you could do something like that where he's like, all right, clearly doing the talking is not going to do the job. So I'm going to let the wrestling speak for me and have him cl- go through the whole summer and he, he, have a really strong run. Here's your solution. Yeah, you strap it to Wardlow and you have MJF cheat him out of it very quickly just to get back. Mm-hmm. You could do something like that. You could like yeah. my my big problem when I look at the overall TNT title picture right now well, there's a lot of things. First of all, like Sammy Guevara has kind of been involved in all this on since literal September. That's like ridiculous. That needs to never happen again. Like that is way too long to be that's trading titles months. back and forth. Like that's that's that nutty. That's absolutely nutty. My problem with all this is you look at the really good TNT champions and their run quote-unquote, with the title, like, starts and ends when they lose the title. Yeah. It's like, Miro did not spend four months talking about how he was going to win the TNT title first. You know, he just kind of, like, he won a bunch of matches, and then he faced Darby Allen and he won. It was very quick from, from turn to I am, you know, the godly man that he was to TNT champion, and then he had a nice run, and then he lost the title, and granted, he has taken time off, but he disappeared after that. 
And that, to me, the same thing happened with Darby Allen. He didn't come back around and keep challenging for the title afterwards like they've now done with both Sammy and Scorpio Sky. Like, Scorpio Sky cut promos that he was going to win the TNT title for, like, four months before it happened. And now it just feels like his run with the TNT title has been going on since, like, December or November when it's only been going on for a few weeks because he's been flipping the title back and forth. It makes his run feel like it's actually happened already when his actual title run has only just started. I'm already over it and I want to see the title moved into a different place on the AEW roster, which could be MJF, could be Pac, could be Swerve, could be like a million people that I would rather see it on right now than than this whole group that it's been attached to for the last six months. Michelle? I, I think we go in the direction of Ricky Starks. I'm a huge Ricky fan, but I feel like it's his time for that belt. I felt like it was his time a while ago, too. Um, and I feel like he's such a natural, like, TV wrestler, too. Like, his style works so well. And even Swerve, too. I feel like Swerve is a perfect TV wrestler as well. I feel like anybody mixed up in that feud is primed and ready for a new opportunity. Um, it might be a little bit early for, like, Keith and Swerve, but I wouldn't be mad at it anyway. But I feel like Ricky is one of, like, the, the OGs who's kind of owed their due right now. 100%. I will say, if there's one thing, if there's one reason I want Scorpio Scott to keep that title, dude, that purple and gold is so sweet. Oh, <laughs> what a nice looking title belt. And I hope whoever, t- I love that they kind of like tweak the belt to the champion, but that looks got to stay for a minute. That's, that's so sweet. Okay. Guys, as we wrap up here, let's go through the super chats. Thank you very much to everyone. Who has contributed? It keeps the show running here, as you know. Quickly, if you can, subscribe, notification bell, thumbs up. All that good stuff goes such a long way to helping the channel grow. Makes a good impression for me. Very much appreciated. All right, let's get started. Shout out to my buddy, Tom Tux Rubbish. Just saying, sending positive vibes. Thanks for all the amazing content over a double or nothing weekend. Shout out to you, Tom. He's got a lot of great interviews on his channel. Go check it out. Uh, hey. Me too. Hey, look at that. <laughs> look at that. The trio. Clean sweep. Uh, <laughs> Tempest bringing in the views. Oh, my God. It's Tempest. My dub- My down for double or nothing is the length. I needed a nap midway. Yeah. So what he's saying, and, I, man, I sympathize with this. That was a long show. <laughs> was, yep. um, I was getting tired. Anarchy, anarchy, wow. Anarchy in the arena. What a hard word to say. Yeah. Well, again. <laughs> Trim that theme song down. Um, what in general do you think AEW? I know we've been very AEW heavy this week, and we're coming off the pay per view. Um, what do you think they just need to tweak the most? I don't want to. I don't want to be too hard, but like going out of that pay per view or or the weeks of programming in general, what's like one little fix they could do to tighten the ship? I I think Rampage. It's a little too. It, that fourth match is a little too much for me. I agree. I agree. I think the show was really tight and concise when it was like three matches and they're each, like one will probably be short in the middle and you'll throw a video package in there, but you get a strong open and a strong main event. And that was kind of good. But now we've got like six segments on every episode of Rampage and there's just not enough time. And my, my biggest tweak in general would be really, I just kind of want most of the, usually the main event stuff is pretty solid mm-hmm but I'd like the stuff underneath to just be a little bit more concise. I think we've kind of strayed into the territory of, well, let's just put on awesome episodes of dynamite every single week 
And then three weeks before the pay-per-view, it's like, oh, oh, there's a pay-per-view coming. Let's throw together a card. Whereas the early AEW pay-per-views were very like concisely booked yes. out blocks of, of television programs yes. that all built to one thing. I'd like to go back to that a little bit more. And I don't think it would be that hard of a change. To yeah. Make. And I sympathize with like, you know, Tony had a smaller roster, you know, at mm. launch, he had plans for the first couple of years. That being said, we got at some point find a way to sort of get back to that because, like you said, I just feel like episode to episode, great, but there's not a lot to sink your teeth into when you're looking at sort of long term. And even the stuff that are on the horizon, like the Undisputed Elite Breakup or Christian Cage and Jungle Boy, it's just not quite as interesting Mm. as I hoped it would have been by this point. Jay Shell? Yeah. Yeah. Mine is actually in the women's division. I have a little bit of the issues with the TBS title right now and how it's being defended. Um, I don't see Jade on Dynamite very much anymore. She's kind of been restricted a little bit to Rampage, which is fine as long as, you know, she's getting time and stuff like that. But we don't really see consistent storylines for her. Even the one that she had with Marina Shafir, I feel like was kind of lacking meat almost. It was like we saw Marina have like 10 second promos where she would say I am the problem and then we would just have the match and there was like no real meat in terms of like seeing her have actual matches or seeing what she was capable of and all the stuff is just like built on dark and then they're just like oh well TBS title here we go so I would like some more um storyline centered around that title uh to be a little more positive just in one word or one sentence uh what is your single favorite thing about AEW right now Tempest quality of the shows honestly i know that's more than one one no, word okay. but Jay, just yeah. in ring just stop now for it. it's too long takashita right now sorry takashita yes. i'm a takashita fan right now yes. I'm um yeah. dude i love the blackpool combat club what a, <laughs> yeah. what a fa- great storyline um oh just just brutal i love them all right. Oh, wow. Shout out to Chris Kessler for the generous donation. He says, thought the tourney was underwhelming at the start, wanted a better, more well-laid-out presentation, maybe a bracket reveal, felt too thrown together and not this official thing like a NCAA tourney or Champions League. Uh, how do you guys feel? Could we have had a little bit more pageantry to the Owen Hart Cup? Completely agree. Especially on the women's side. Uh, I felt like they were just putting them against dark talent. And as much as I love Willow, I feel like she was more deserving of a, um, a more competitive match. I also think the way that they did their qualifying matches kind of hurt her as well. If you would have unveiled it as like a 16 person bracket instead of like the eight, I feel like that would have made more sense. And it also would have um, encouraged them to include um, talent of higher caliber because there are a bunch of people on the women's roster that didn't include. Um, and on the men's as well, I felt like some of the matchups could have been stronger too. Um, but I, I thought that there was, I think I set my expectations too high for what I thought the tournament was going to be. Like I said, I thought I was getting Lee Moriarty versus Daniel Garcia at double or nothing in the finals. And that was going to be my, my glory days, but that's not what we got anyway. Tempest. I think, I think there could have been a lot more pageantry to this. Like I know that this wasn't going to have like its own dedicated program, but I was kind of expecting like AEW's version of like a cruiserweight classic, like uh like that sort of presentation almost like, Hey, this is our big tournament. We're going to do like, they did promo packages for each month, but some of this felt really rushed. And I didn't feel like as much emphasis was put on 
either of these tournaments as I was really kind of hoping it would. Now, again, expectations and everything, I'm trying my best to manage them, but I was kind of hoping this would be Tony Khan's exercise and can I book a really good tournament? And I think he booked a tournament that was like a B. It was like the men's tournament I thought was a B. There were some good matches on there. The women's tournament could have gotten a lot more time. And I'm probably more offended by the booking of the women's tournament than the men's tournament in general. But the men's I thought they final could have done odd too. Yeah, it was a little bit a little bit clunky. Not exactly the finals I would have booked in either sense, but uh, it's just it's really it's really tough coming out of a, a show like this. I also somewhat lost my train of thought regarding you know hard pop. Okay, like, there's just so much I would have changed. We'll end know? on this just, for each person. Oh yeah, yeah. sorry, Tempest. No, I was just going to say, I was really hoping for a big 20-minute final with, like, like yeah. Jay Shell said, literally Daniel Garcia and Lee Moriarty, <laughs> and I didn't feel like many people coming out of the Owen Hart Cup were better than they were going in, That's other it. than, like, the ones that ended up with jobs, and maybe, like, you could say Dax came out of it better than he did, Kyle, I think, came out of it better than he went in, but otherwise, like, I don't think it elevated the winners very much, because... Mm-hmm. Like Adam Cole's a top star. He's Safe been in world title yeah. programs kind of all year. And Britt Baker's been Britt Baker for the last year. So I would have rather this been used to elevate pick anybody. And I you I thought you brought up a really good point that they didn't want to have both of them be ex WWE people or you wanted to have an AEW original in there. Well, I don't think you needed Adam Cole to win to win this yeah. either, right? So you could have switched him and then had Tony Storm win the women's one or Ruby Soho or Chris Statlander, anybody really. I just would have changed a lot. Yeah. I, I wonder if there was some pressure to have big names sort of win that inaugural cup. I don't know if it was out of some sort of concern for, you know, yeah. have some sort of respect for the name or something. But I, I hope, I hope moving into next year we can say look owen hart look at these two winners adam cole mm-hmm. Britt baker huge stars in their division and, and i hope long term this develop if not this year develops into something where you can maybe now parlay the name power for the first one and like you guys are suggesting right. maybe put a bit more shine on people who need it i think it also uh might be a little way to build up another couple possibly before a possible arrival of uh, Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae or something like that. Just spitballing, speculating, because you got to have an opponent ready for something like that. So this would be now the biggest possible opponent, because, I mean, your other option is like Ty and Sammy, and that's not ideal. So (laughs) I I could see that being a reason, but I don't know, just speculating. All right, Uh, let's finish on this one for Mr. JJ, and then we'll wrap up here. Uh, Jay Schill. Will you watch a WCW match now that Sammy is finally out of the TNT title picture? What do you do with him? His stock has fallen for me a lot. Uh, you've seen a WCW match, right, Jay Shaw? I've seen one. Whoa, what was it? What was the one? Um, it was Eddie and Ray. Oh, and it was the best Ray. one. Were you playing yeah. WWA 2K22? I do not play oh, any video because okay, that's a, that's a really good football. <laughs> I do not that. play. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've tried. I've tried before. I just it's just not for me. Oh, I, it's a great match. I'm I'm a Hulu girl. I, I like my TV. Uh, but I think moving forward with Sammy and Ty, I think if they don't do um, if they don't do Candice and Johnny right away, I think they honestly get um, Adam and Britt. Because Britt, I feel like, is going towards a face turn. And I feel like I can see them doing it with Cole. 
So I think that they honestly do that next and they do a couples thing. But after that, I don't know really what you would do with him. I mean, I guess you could do something with like Darby Allen if you wanted to, but like then Darby would have to get a win because Darby hasn't been winning. But his match with Kyle was really good. It was one of my favorite matches of the night. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I don't even know what you do with Sammy anymore. <laughs> I don't have a clue if I'm being honest. Like, because when I when I'm struggling to think of what do people in AEW do next, I typically just try and look at like, well, what sort of loose threads do they have yeah. that you could just all right, well, that storyline's been kind of vacant for a while. Let's just continue that one. And the only thing I can think of with MJF is tying him back into the Jericho stuff. And I don't think that fits right now. You know, just like, yeah, just having him and Jericho kind of have... And they're both heels again now because of, like, circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you could do Eddie. Yeah. If you wanted to. I don't think you should. Please don't do that. Please keep Eddie away from Sammy because I don't need that energy in my life. But you could yeah. do it. <laughs> I think I don't know. I think there is value in how much ne- like bad heat Sammy and, and Ty are getting right now. I think you just got to pair them up with like a beloved baby face. Yeah, you just got to put them against some other people yeah. are going to absolutely root for. Like I feel like if they didn't have the tag titles on them, doing like a pillarish thing with Jungle Boy and Sammy Guevara could be kind of fun. <gasps> Maybe Statlander and Orange Cassidy do best sure. friends. Sure. That's not a bad idea. I don't hate that. Um, I think maybe if you want to do like a short little TV program after this pay-per-view, maybe you have Sammy come out and be like the douchebag heel that make fun of uh, Hangman. Yeah, just yeah, so, someone that like people can really look program. forward to. Because that's the thing. It's like you weren't that excited for that, Scorpio. You Ty and Anna Jay. Oh, a Jungle Boy and Ooh. Sammy. I was thinking about Jungle Boy and Anna Jay. I just don't know where they fit into all this, so. That'd be so, so easy. It'd be so easy to boost Sammy and Ty. You know what I mean? I need that, yeah. Okay. Guys? Yeah, there, there's, there's more there than I thought. There's more. There's something. All right. Uh, we'll have to save that more for next time. We'll see where AEW, WWE are at in a month's time. We get back for our next roundtable. I actually think I, for once in my life, I have a date for the next roundtable. June 21st. Tuesday, June 21st. We'll be back for episode 7 of the Fightful Roundtable. I probably shouldn't give away names. Whatever, I'll do it. I can say with confidence as of right now, Chris Van Vliet is confirmed. He will be back. First time since I think our inaugural episode. So very excited to have Chris back. We'll release the rest of the lineup a couple weeks out from the show. Uh, Guys, I'm going to leave you with the last word. So I'll do my part very quickly. Thank you so much to everyone who tuned in. Love doing these every single month. Thank you to everyone who donated a super chat. Thank you to everyone who just chimed in. If you want to support what I do outside of Fightful, you can see all my written work over at cbsports.com, MMA, pro wrestling, Shaq Wrestling, S-H-A-K Wrestling. That's the place to go for all of my interviews. Dropped some last week with Ruby Soho, with Wardlow. Um, there's ones with The Undertaker up there, Tony Khan, ones that I'm very, very proud of. So please go give the Wardlow one some love. And like not just, not just for me, not just to line my pockets. Wardlow, awesome guest. Algorithm gods didn't do that one justice. If you haven't seen my interview with Wardlow, please go give him some love too. Um, subscribe to Fightful, of course, if you haven't already. Jay Shell, where can everyone find your great work? 
Yes, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Nicole. That's J-A-Y-C-H-E-L-E-N-I-C-O-L-E. Uh, I also have a Patreon, which I kind of use. It's like $1 a month. You get extra content um, on my YouTube channel, though. Most importantly, you can find my new documentary, Wrestling with Whiteness. It's about Black wrestlers and their experience um, in the wrestling business. I also feature a bunch of amazing Black creators like William Washington, um, Malcolm Muscle, Public Enemies podcast, bunch of great people. Um, you guys should definitely check that out. I also have some cool interviews over there with Ricky Starks, Big Swole, Tasha Steeles, Ty Valkyrie, Willow Russells, well, Willow Nightingale, um, and all those great people. So you guys can check me out over there. Tempest. Well, you can figure me out over on over on Wrestle Talk. If you don't know, now you know. It's Wrestle Talk. It's Wrestle Talk podcast for podcast reviews. It's Parts Fun Known, perhaps more importantly, because we want to keep getting the subscribers up on Parts Fun Known. We want to keep making fun content that we can continue to make if more people subscribe and if more people watch our content. So make sure that you subscribe to that. Of course, if you like board games, we do No Rules Barred over there too. We wear a lot of hats over at Wrestle Talk. For my own personal content, which I promise, I promise I will post to again at some point. It'll be soon. It's just, I need to do some stuff first. You can go and subscribe to Tempest Likes Wrestling on YouTube and follow me on Twitter at TempestWT. Quizlemania, the one show that I love to watch, but would score yeah. an absolute zero on if I were ever to uh, watch. Uh, watch Quizlemania tomorrow, where I am once again not defending the Quizlemania championship. Uh, y'all thought you'd seen my Brock Lesnar run already? Nah, this is my Brock Lesnar run, y'all. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much, everyone. Jay Shell Tempest, you're the best. Time for that outro music, if I can find the button. Bam. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.